The Water Values Podcast, Session 136. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGimsey. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey and thanks so much for joining me. Got a great show for you today, but it is currently late and uh, I'm running thin on time, so I'm going to dispense with most of the normal housekeeping stuff. Just, But I will say thank you so much for the ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. I'll get to those in a subsequent podcast in terms of reading what those reviews are, but thank you very much for the five-star ratings. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, also, if you're listening in the U.S. this week, I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving, a very happy Thanksgiving. With that, we have a great show for you. Again, it's Pat Sincropi of the Water Reuse Association. And um, let's just get right into it. Open the valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. Well, Pat, welcome to the Water Values Podcast. So glad you could come on and share your story with us today. Uh, for starters, could you tell us a little about your background and how you got interested in water? Sure. Well, thank you for inviting me to participate. Um, so I got started in water uh, about uh, over 20 years ago uh, at this point when I uh, joined the uh, Clinton administration at the President's Council on Sustainable Development, uh, where we uh, were very focused on um, sort of a holistic approach to watershed management, uh, watershed and natural resources management systems. Um, and from there, I uh, joined the USDA where I did a lot of work on livable communities, um, how to manage uh, farmlands in a way that uh, promotes um, good stewardship of our not only land resources, but our water resources. And then I, uh, after that, I uh, worked with the Rural Community Assistance Programs, which really was my first opportunity to work directly with um, water uh, issues at a community scale. And the Rural Community Assistance Programs uh, provide technical assistance to small rural communities um, uh, to help with their water and wastewater infrastructure needs. And that really exposed me to the whole world of how water systems are really at the core of how communities uh, can function and how communities can grow and thrive. And, um, and from there uh, really is history at that point. Um, from the Rural Community Assistance Programs, I joined the Water Environment Federation, um, became more familiar with the complexities of uh, water management, clean water management, uh, and then continued to uh, delve more deeply into the policy aspects of uh, the Federal Clean Water Act as I moved to work with the National Association of Clean Water Agencies uh, and and now with uh, the water the water reuse association. So my I have deep background in the uh, Clean Water Act and how uh, that uh, that impacts local communities. Terrific. So so what are you doing at the Water Reuse Association now? 
So now I'm, I'm directing, I'm leading the Water Reuse Association. It's giving me an opportunity to really uh, delve even more deeply into uh, an aspect of um, sustainable management of our water resources and how communities can, can grow around the water cycle and using water in a more holistic uh, one water approach. Uh, so I took over the Water Reuse Association about a year ago. At the time, it was going, it was undergoing uh, a transition. It had recently um, uh, separated from the Water Reuse Foundation, uh, where the association and foundation had been working collaboratively together, um, to now where the association uh, two, three years ago uh, established itself as an independent uh, uh, trade association from the work of the Research Foundation. So uh, I'm the first, I think, first executive director of the new uh, independent association, and uh, we're um, putting our mark on uh, the advocacy around water reuse in the nation's capital and also exploring uh, ways in which uh, water recycling can move forward at the state level vis-a-vis -vis policy initiatives and um, communications and outreach. Got it, got it. So so uh, now that the, the Water Reuse Association has split off from the foundation or has been spun off from the foundation, uh, in terms of the mission and a little, little background in terms of how you're uh, achieving that mission, could you just kind of give us the, you know, the quick thumbnail on that, please? So the mission of the Water Reuse Association is to really uh, promote a culture that embraces water recycling as a primary method for managing our um, uh, water resources. And um, the background is that the association began uh, 30 years ago. <clears throat> Actually, next year is our 30th anniversary. It began as a California-based association where, of course, California supply issues were really um, uh, becoming um, more uh, of a concern for communities that had to rely on groundwater and surface water resources in that state and uh, a river by the name of the Colorado. Um, and uh, so, the so the association was founded in California and uh, grew up in California. Then around the early part of this century, uh, around 2000, 2001, um, it had grown to the point where uh, it decided to go national. And uh, at that point, water recycling was um, uh, becoming a, a way of managing water in other more arid climates throughout the West and South and South, uh, Texas, uh, Florida. And so in uh, 2001, they hired the first executive director and based the association here in Washington. Uh, and uh, from there, the association continued to grow. Uh, as I've mentioned, at that time, it was uh, affiliated with the Water Reuse Foundation. Um, uh, that continued to be the case up until two years, three years ago, when it uh, 
divorce, so to speak, uh, from the foundation. It was a friendly, amicable, amicable split um, and, uh, and uh, has been an independent trade association for the past uh, two, three years. Terrific. Well, could you give us a snapshot of the current policy that surrounds uh, water reuse in the U.S. right now? No, not really. You know, water is traditionally managed by local communities, and um, the two uh, federal statutory pillars of our water management system are the uh, Safe Drinking Water Act that establishes uh, standards for uh, the provision of um, safe drinking water supplies, and the Federal Clean Water Act which establishes standards for uh, discharging pollutants uh, into the environment vis-a-vis wastewater. And those uh, two federal policies really establish the guardrails um, between which and through which communities have experimented, explored, and developed water recycling. Now, in the West, you obviously have uh, water rights Um, and federal policy around water rights. But for the most part, beyond the Safe Drinking Water Act and the Clean Water Act, uh, there really is no uh, federal, separate federal policy, if you will, uh, with respect to water recycling. Um, As long as you are supplying water uh, with respect to potable water, as long as you're supplying potable water that meets the safe drinking water standards, um, how you supply or where those supplies come from has really uh, remained an issue for local communities to, uh, to determine. Um, and with respect to non-potable uh, use of recycled water, uh, the federal, there really has not been a federal role Um, So what we've seen is a lot of activity at the state level to fill in the the rules and uh, the regulations with respect to um, the uh, supply of of recycled water. So so much of the activity now is occurring at the state level, um, although there are very important ways in which the federal government and federal policy uh, is uh, driving what is being done um, on the local level with respect to recycled water. Uh, I would point to two important policies. One is uh, funding and financing, um, monies available at the federal level that um, communities use to invest in recycled water. Uh, The Title 16 program at the Bureau of Reclamation is an investment program specifically for recycled water projects. Um, And the Federal Clean Water Act, which establishes standards by which communities must, water quality-based standards uh, that communities must meet um, in order to uh, discharge wastewater. And I think you're seeing more and more that in areas of the country where there are impairments to local water supplies and local water bodies, um, communities are beginning to to look 
at water recycling as a way of, um, of addressing those uh, impaired water concerns. Okay. So, so I, I was going to get into this a little later, but, but since you brought up the, the federal policy aspect, um, you know, the Congress recently enacted uh, uh, 3021, uh, America's Water Infrastructure Act, and that included, um, I, I think, funding or provisions related to investment in water infrastructure, including water recycling projects. And, and so I, I assume, you know, are you familiar with that? And can you kind of explain, you know, the significance of that federal legislation in terms of, of promoting uh, infrastructure investment for water recycling projects? piece of legislation was is very important and have uh, contained several drivers that I think will uh, continue to um, uh, help us make forward progress on uh, water recycling. One is uh, a resolution that's contained in the legislation, a broad resolution putting Congress on record in supporting and promoting non-potable water recycling for industrial applications. <clears throat> I think that sends an important signal to industry that it's, um, it's a, a water management strategy that uh, they should uh, continue to look at and take seriously and make investments in. Um, a second important policy that is contained in that legislation is contained within the policy uh, section for the Army Corps of Engineers, and it's um, uh, okay. It's section 1164 that discusses uh, uh, the importance of coordination at the local level between flood control projects that the Army Corps of Engineers is undertaking and local water management plans that otherwise may not be incorporated in those flood control plans. And we're seeing more and more that, you know, one community's floodwaters is another community's uh, local water supply. And uh, we led an effort to um, uh, pass that, that provision so that uh, there we can strengthen the policy links uh, between the flood control management systems that the Army Corps of Engineers um, puts in place and local uh, stormwater management plans that uh, local communities are developing. And then the third is, as you mentioned, the area of funding and financing. And there are several programs that are that passed in the uh, in that package that I think will uh, continue to will continue to see investments in in the development of water reuse and those three are um, a uh, resiliency and authorization for uh, a drinking water resiliency program uh, which will finance uh, communities um, uh, community efforts to build resiliency around their water supplies. I think uh, you'll see uh, many communities investing in water recycling system systems uh, because they are resilient, uh, they provide a resilient water supply. 
Um, two is a $10 million authorization for uh, uh, technology and innovation, uh, water technology and innovation. Um, and I think the cutting edge of, of that um, is investment in uh, membrane technology and other technologies that support water recycling. And then the uh, third um, funding pot is, of course, the WIFIA. Um, they've included um, many more resources for the uh, Water Infrastructure Financing and Innovation Act. And um, that is designed to promote more public-private partnership uh, in financing water projects. And I think you'll see, as we've seen in the first round of WIFIA financing, uh, a good portion of that funding uh, being used for uh, water recycling uh, projects at the local level. So, so Pat, what are the most likely uh, reuse kind of recycle scenarios that, that you're seeing out there? And, and, and so I guess what I'm, I'm, I'm asking is with all these funding pots that are, that Congress uh, recently um, established or reenacted, you know, what, what kind of projects do you anticipate we're going to be seeing um, with, with some of that money? Um, well, I think with respect to communities that are looking toward water reuse as a source of supply and communities that um, are in areas of the country that, are, that rely on groundwater supplies, I think you're going to see more and more groundwater, large-scale groundwater replenishment projects, uh, whereby uh, very, very highly treated municipal wastewater supplies will be um, injected into uh, aquifer systems that uh, then are used for uh, supplying drinking water. Um, you know, the largest project right now is in Orange County. Um, that they're expanding that, I think, uh, to supply a third of their drinking water bought within the next 10 years through that system. Um, an, another example of that large-scale project is in Hampton Roads, Virginia, where HRSD, Hampton Roads Sanitation District, is piloting a project that would eventually um, use all their wastewater um, as a source for uh, groundwater replenishment and ultimately for pot potable supply needs. I think you're going to see more and more of that um, type of project, especially for communities, as I said, that are experiencing um, high population growth um, and rely on groundwater supplies and are located along the coast. A lot of coastal communities rely on groundwater uh, for their drinking water supply, and um, uh, they're finding that, that those groundwater supplies are becoming uh, very stressed and very taxed. Um, second, I think you'll see uh, more uh, projects in areas of the country that are experiencing high um, impairments to their surface waters and, um, and, and are um, 
being required to meet fairly stringent uh, water quality uh, limitations on the on their effluent discharges. Um, these communities, for example, communities in the Chesapeake Bay, and uh, eventually communities along the within the uh, Gulf of Mexico watershed. Uh, those communities are investing so heavily in advanced treatment on the wastewater side uh, that they will, I think, eventually realize that uh, that high, highly treated, high quality effluent can be put to better use than to discharge it into a dirtier surface body, uh, which is what currently is happening. Um, so I think you'll, over the next uh, 10 to 20 years, you'll see more communities that are located in, in impaired watersheds uh, looking at uh, recycled water as a uh, more cost-effective way of supplying water resources to their ratepayers. And then uh, I think you'll also see uh, more interest in communities that have uh, combined sewer systems and are struggling with uh, wet weather. I think uh, recycled water provides them with a way of uh, uh, managing peak wet weather flows to their systems. Uh, if they can reduce the amount of volume going to their centralized treatment plants through uh, use of decentralized non-potable uh, recycle, recycling systems, uh, I think that's an area that um, that uh, uh, you know folks are are uh, uh, growing uh, more interested in. Great. So, so I, I, you've you've kind of mentioned some geographic areas around around the country. You've, you've indicated Florida, Texas, California, and kind of Virginia, Chesapeake Bay area. Uh, are do those kind of outline the 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 kind of geography where um, where reuse is really kind of, uh, taking, taking hold, uh, what are, is, is the, is the kind of geographic footprint bigger than that area? Well, I think we're, we're seeing really water recycling, uh, developing an interest nationally. Um, but I think, uh, the areas that you just mentioned, California, Texas, Florida, um, along the southern east coast and into the Chesapeake Bay, I think are the areas where we are seeing most of the growth or will see most of the growth over the next uh, decade. Yeah. And I, I, I it kind of matches that, that matches up exactly, I think, with where you're kind of indicating that are seeing a lot of population stress that where, where the populations are increasing. Right. Yeah. Uh, what about what about direct potable reuse? You know, we've we, you've you've kind of identified non-potable reuse for industry. H how close are we? You think to seeing kind of widespread adoption where where people are kind of get over the the yuck factor hump of of direct potable reuse and and where's that going to appear first? Um, several states are moving forward with. Uh, regulations for direct potable reuse. Um, uh, Arizona, California, uh, Florida, Colorado. But I think where you're going to see um, more use of direct potable are in states such as California, Texas that are really 
uh, struggling with drought. Um, you know, right now they may, those states may be uh, technically out of a persistent drought scenario, but, um, you know, it's any, any given year they can be struck with drought now that will really tax their uh, potable water supplies. And so uh, I think over the next five years, we'll see more direct potable uh, reuse systems come online and um, that will follow the state reg that will follow regulations at the state level uh, to uh, allow uh, that to be uh, uh, broadly adopted. Sure. What are what are the kind of you, you say states are adopting? Are, is, is it legislative or is it or is it more of a regulatory aspect? Well, well, of course, the regulations are following state statutes that are that have allowed the state to move forward with regulations. So California passed uh, legislation in 20, uh, 2017, last year, uh, that allowed the state to move forward with uh, DPR regulations. Arizona adopted legislation last year, uh, or early 2018, uh, to allow that Arizona to move forward with regulations on direct potable reuse. Um, Florida will be considering legislation uh, next year, likely, uh, to uh, authorize uh, the state to develop uh, regulations on DPR. Uh, Texas has taken a different approach. Um, Texas has, it isn't developing a state regulation, but um, their legislative uh, frameworks allow the state to uh, permit uh, direct potable reuse systems on a case-by-case -case basis. And of course, the first direct potable reuse system in the nation uh, is located in Texas, Big Springs, Texas. Uh, that's been operating now for three to five years and um, folks have uh, safely consumed uh, drinking water supplied by the, uh, the uh, water recycling uh, system uh, that Big Springs put in place uh, in, for that community. Sure. sure. Uh, what, what kind of, um, you know, what strategies have, has the Water Use Association and other advocacy groups used to kind of get over the educational hurdles and, and that yuck factor in convincing, you know, legislatures and regulators to allow direct potable reuse? Um, well, I think, uh, well, two strategies. One is um, uh, just basically, you know, uh, necessity is driving a lot of this. Um, uh, you know, when you're facing uh, uh when your when your community is facing running out of potable water supplies, uh, you know you're you get over the X factor pretty quickly, and I think we saw that in Big Springs, Wichita Falls, um, and uh, Southern you know and communities in California. Um, beyond that, the uh, 
we continue to try to push out materials to uh, el to um, uh, increase the public's uh, acceptance of drinking water. And one key uh, constituent that uh, constituent stakeholder group that we're trying to work with, and that has been helpful to several of our communities in um, in their public education efforts is the medical community and the public health community. Um, working with the public health community uh, in um, uh, building their trust in the water supply from recycled water and um, uh, working with them to uh, provide testimonials that the uh, this source of water is safe to drink um, is also a, a key strategy that we're that we're uh, following. Yeah, that, that just that, I mean the whole direct potable reuse. I guess in my in my mind, um, it, it just fits perfectly in that one water aspect of it that it's it's just a cycle and even under the current system if you're not if you're if your you know drinking water provider is not uh, using DPR to access to get its water supply it's really just getting its the the, the wastewater from the next party that was upstream of it or you know mm -hmm. that, all that water it's been forever recycled and and I think as I think it was Charles Fishman in his book The Big Thirst indicated. You know, a lot of people think that water needs to go out and be have the, get the magic touch by nature before it comes back, back around. But that's just not right. that's just not the case. Um, yes, and in fact, you know, that puts that raises a good point, which is most communities are uh, doing indirect potable reuse already, um, given the fact that most communities. 80% uh, of the communities draw their drinking water from surface waters that are downstream of wastewater discharge points. Um, so, you know, already I think the statistic in the Gulf along the uh, Mississippi River is that uh, water is recycled 33 times from the headwaters to the mouth of the Gulf of Mexico um, uh, you know, before water ultimately is discharged um, in uh, Louisiana. So, you know, people are already drinking recycled water. They, we don't call it that, but, um, but a lot of potable reuse is already, is already going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, a, it's just a matter of education. And, and I am kind of curious where you're, where you're targeting that education. Is it just kind of policymakers or are you going into schools and, and getting kids acclimated to, to this whole concept of, of one water and direct potable reuse? It's, it's not any, the, the water you're drinking isn't any different from the water that you'd be drinking were it indirect reuse. I think our members are doing um, are doing all of it. Um, our members are getting very creative in um, in their educational outreach. Uh, they're going into schools. There, uh, many of them have developed uh, mobile tra treatment trailers um, where they are uh, they're building a, a trailer um, with that contains the various treatment trains um, that supply recycled water and they're 
taking taking those mobile units around to schools and um, you know fairs and uh, other venues where uh, folks are gathering, uh, where they're talking about the um, safety of recycled water in a way that allows kids to uh, see the treatment process, um, you know, before their eyes, uh, touch and feel the process. Another fun um, approach that our members are using it are um, uh, uh, brew challenges where they're working with uh, craft brewers of beer and, um, and uh, uh, distilleries of vodka um, uh, and other hard alcohol um, where they're, you know, they're supplying them with uh, recycled effluent and those distilleries and breweries are uh, turning the uh, water into um, alcoholic beverages that you know then can be again uh, you you brought to fairs and festivals and that kind of thing um, uh, that's that's gotten a lot of attention in Arizona and Oregon and um, and, and uh, big uh, conferences so that's, and that's fun because people love drinking beer and, <laughs> and you know. Yeah. Yeah, that, well, that's that's awesome. Um, well, uh, Pat, you've been you've been fantastic today. Before we before I, I, I you know kind of turn you loose, uh, has there been anything? Is there any issue or or something that I haven't asked you about today that you think is is important that the listeners ought to ought to ought to you know get in on? done a great job you know one one thing i will uh I, I would like to end with is you know as we as we look out um 20 30 years from now uh recycled water will play a much larger part um in our water supply portfolio and and how communities are growing in our economy um you're seeing it already in places like nevada um, where Reno is supplying um, Tesla and Google with, uh, you know, 4,000 uh, acre, 4,000 gallons of water, of recycled water a day to ensure that their operations continue. Uh, you're seeing it here in Loudoun County, Virginia, where uh, a data center relies on recycled water for cooling systems. And you're seeing it in communities that are that really have to think creatively and differently about their drinking water resources. So, you know, I, I really see water reuse as a linchpin for our economy um, uh, over the next 20 to 30 years. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I don't see another way around it because uh, we, we can't make it and we've got to got to just deal with what we've got. And that's. I think eventually is going to be um, the the untapped supply, so to speak, is is what we've already used. Um, well, you know, again, Pat, really appreciate your time today. You've been fantastic. Could you uh, could you let us know for those folks who want to find out more about you and more about the Water Reuse Association, where they can go to get that information? Sure, it's very easy. Uh, www.waterreuse.org. One R. Um, that's our website and a place where you can find information about our association and our state sections and uh, information about uh, 
the latest uh, research that's being done on um, on this uh, this topic. Terrific. Well, Pat, again, thanks so much, and we'll look forward to speak with you again soon. Okay. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Pat Sincropi. I thought she was terrific. She really, uh, as you can tell, has a very good handle on the substantive uh, end of things, especially the legislation. Uh, so I thought you just did a great job. Well, I'd like, to, I'd be interested in what you're, what you took away from that podcast. You can leave your comments on the show notes. Uh, you can find those at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod one three six. You can tweet about the podcast using the hashtag water values. You can tweet at me using my handle at, which is at DTM one nine nine three. Uh, you can send me an email at David at the Um, so just just let me know what you uh, what you thought about it. I'm always interested uh, what you, the listener, want to hear uh, in terms of topics or guests. Uh, so so shoot me a line. Let me know what you thought about the podcast as well. So in closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. Listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Thank you for tuning in to the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Indiana and Colorado, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. Information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.